Hello and welcome to Finance, Energy and Beyond, brought to you by Stanbrook Consulting, a specialist recruitment consultancy for the finance and energy markets. I'm your host Jack Hopper and in this episode I'm joined by Richard Archer, former Head of Risk at Pay.UK. Richard is a specialist in the risk department and talks us through his journey as well as some career advice for anyone who's looking to get into the risk sector. I hope you enjoy. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I think uh, let's, let's start as uh, an intro. Who, who are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Richard, Richard Archer. I'm a sort of risk assurance compliance professional. Uh, I guess I've been working about 30 years. Uh, live in Amersham three uh, daughters and a wife and one dog. So you're the only male in the family. They keep you busy, right? Yeah, even the dog's female. So. <laughs> brilliant, so. brilliant. And look, thanks for sharing. And I think the, the place that I really wanted to start with yourself is, so obviously you're a risk professional. Um, where did the journey start for you? What What was your... What was the start of your career to then now being, uh, I think your last role was head of risk, right? Um, what's the journey been like for you? It'd be really great just to understand a little bit more about risk uh, as an industry and, and, and your experience. Yeah, I didn't start off in risk. I started off doing environmental work. I worked for about six, seven years for an environmental consultancy and I moved job to do more environmental work. But the company was called DNV which is a Norwegian foundation, Norwegian and German foundation now. And they did a lot of environmental work. They did a lot of also a lot of other risk work. So I looked around the office when I, when I first arrived and thought, well, that looks quite interesting. Um, I, I, management consultancy is always something that interested me. And, and risk was obviously just like a core tool that they used to deliver it. Um, and I sort of migrated across, really. I still carried on doing a lot of the environmental work after I joined increasingly did more enterprise risk management, project risk work, technical risk management work, and, and really got into it just because I was in a room full of people doing risk management. And so you kind there. of just fell into it? Is that, is that, is that what I'm saying? In part, yeah. So, I mean, I was a junior guy in the office, so I was still cheap enough to be able to get onto other people's projects. And I go chatting to people about what are you doing? And it sounded a lot of the time more interesting than the work I was doing <laughs> so I said you know I'd love to get involved and people gave me opportunities to get involved and one you know you, you do one project you do another one and sort of develop the the CV the, the experience um and I was the DMV for about six seven years again and increasingly by the end of it I was doing almost 100 percent risk work and, and if so learn about risk management you know learning in a company like DMV is amazing because they have a lot of internal courses that they're just so much better than what you can get otherwise. And sort of, sort of went external as well and complemented that with some risk management training at the Institute of Risk Management, did their diploma. Um, so in a way, I got the best of the internal and the external. Uh, I was learning very much at the, the sharp end. And that role, so your first ever role, was it? did you go to university? Yes, went, went to did an undergraduate degree and then a postgrad one year. Uh, so um, yes, I did. So that so from university to your first role, explain to me how that worked. How did you get into that first job? 
the first job I ever did, I did by basically writing letters. A lot of my friends did the normal round where you apply to jobs advertised. I decided because I knew I wanted to be an environmental consultant, is that I'd write letters to all the top environmental consultancies. And I thought, show a bit of enthusiasm and maybe you'll bypass you know, the milk ground and get straight in. And I had a massive file of rejection letters at the start where I wrote to everyone and said, I would like to be an environmental consultant. You know, would you consider me? And they all wrote back if they wrote back at all saying no. <laughs> so I tried again. I wrote to them all again saying I want to do waste management consultancy. And again, I had a similar size, size rejection letter file. And then one of them wrote back to me again saying, had I considered environmental consultancy? Well, well, yes. And I had written to them, but they obviously didn't have that letter. They had the waste management letter on file. And so I got the job I really wanted, uh, a company called AA Technology, which was you know, a PLC that was really the, one of the leading firms to do environmental consultancy. So. Wow. Just from writing letters, right? Yeah, I just wrote, wrote to people I wanted to work for. And um, I think when you're young, you're quite cheap. You can, you know, it's not a massive decision for them to recruit someone. And if you're enthusiastic and you've got a good, you know, good background, um, you know, good degree, why, what, why not? They might want to take a chance on you. So um, as it was, they needed someone tomorrow when I was available. So I literally, I was in Edinburgh at the time, drove down and started on the Monday. Yeah. What a story, what a story. There's something special about that, right? And just showing how relentless you are, that like it was something you really wanted to go for and, and you've done what you needed to do to try and get that. So uh, thanks for sharing, appreciate that. And and so so as your career sort of moved on, obviously uh, I think the reason I got in touch with yourself because your last role was at uh, Pay UK, but you've done lots of different things from the start to your last role there. Fill us in those gaps. What, what was your journey like? Yeah, I mean, some people only want to work in one sector and they get quite focused on it. And I can understand this real benefit from really knowing your stuff. But with risk management, I've always thought it's a generic skill and you can apply it to a lot of different sectors. And that's pretty much what I've done. So I started off doing renewable energy, which wasn't risk management, but then went to a consultancy that allowed me to work for all different sectors. So major hazard industries, oil and gas mining, uh, public sector in the UK, law firms, um, all around Europe and beyond. I think I, I, I did training courses in risk management in almost every continent of the world, apart from Antarctica. Um, did one training course in Venezuela, which was five months long, where the oil comp- national oil company there. I only gave uh, two, three weeks of it, whether they were training up a whole new generation. So I got massive exposure for being consulting you learn very fast being consulting then when I work for the Wellcome Trust which is uh, one of the world's largest charitable foundations um, after that I was there for about two and a half years as their risk manager I went to BT um, was there again doing things at huge scale BT is obviously a very large company rolling up networks and doing massive deals. Um, I was there for about almost 10 years. And then I decided to have a go join the financial sector. Again, a massive change. Still doing critical national infrastructure, but um, uh, yeah, a whole new sector, different regulator. Completely different, right? I think from uh, from my knowledge, you've got a few, you've got a few good stories, right? From from your time in, especially at B, uh, BT, um, 
would you care to share some of the stories, some of the uh, some of the projects that you worked on uh, there? Sure. So when I was at BT, as I said, I did a lot of critical national infrastructure work. Um, there was 800 or so critical national infrastructure contracts in the part I was working with, BT Enterprise. Um, one of them was a company called, well, it was a contract called ECAS, which was a bit like the UK 999 service, but in Ireland. It's, ECAS um, obviously serves the Republic of Ireland, and the population is obviously much smaller than the UK. So I think from a risk perspective, it's quite interesting because it's not like the UK where you have your five or so call centres. You, know, you have massive uh, diversity where you can put them in the UK. In the Republic of Ireland, they just had two. So you lose one of those and already you're, you're at risk of losing the service. So I did a lot of work going out every every few months to work with them, looking at the risks they have and how we can manage them out. And, to, and we made a number of changes that we probably wouldn't have, well, we didn't make in the UK just because we didn't have to. And one of the changes was we introduced a new solution that allowed uh, the call agents to to work from home, which at the time you know, obviously brings in some data risks. But actually, this came into its own where when the when COVID hit, we were able to send everyone home. So rather than being worried about are we going to lose a centre, what happens if you have to close one? Because obviously people don't want to come to work, and there's COVID in the centre. Um, but people could work from home, so. A great example where we managed to get the risk out for good reasons. We wanted to reduce the risk, but you know, when COVID came, new situation, we were, you know, it really demonstrated the changes we made um, were, were really valuable. So when the UK was there looking at you know, five centres, thinking, wow, well, what happens if we lose one? Or what happens if we lose two? We didn't have that conversation at all uh, behind the scenes in Ireland because we knew we could send everyone home. The UK guys have to work in the centre so they can connect to the switch. But they you know new, new totally totally free free to work wherever they want. You know, completely a step ahead of everyone else, right? Prepared yeah. for when for when uh, COVID happened. Um, and uh, and there was uh, there was one other story I think you you've mentioned to me before, and I think our listeners would love to hear it. Um, ten is it ten Downing Street or something to do with Parliament? Um, ring a bell. I think you're referring to Fern the the, the Dexter Cow there. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the consultancy I did was, I guess, setting up organisations to succeed. But there's another area of consultancy which was actually sorting out individual problems. Um, and in, in this case, Dexter, the Dexter Cal Fern um, had failed a TB bovine TB test, and lots of cows fa- fail this test every year. The reason this cow is still being talked about is that the owner um, didn't want the cow to be put down. And, you know, it's a heartbreaking story, really. You know, she, she, she truly believed or he believed that the cow should not be put down uh, as a herd test. So it's not brilliantly accurate for individual animals. And the local vet said it insisted it had to be put down and it escalated and escalated. And even questions of the prime minister, uh, questions time on the fur and the cow. So fur and the cow has a huge profile. The media were covering it. And the question was, you know, should this cow be put down? But beyond that, there was a broader question, which was, is the TB test actually fit for purpose? Because the, the farmer was saying, well, hang on, I don't think my test was carried out correctly. And not only that, I don't think any of them are carried out correctly. So this was went much wider than just the cow. All of a sudden, people are saying, well, is this test that all these animals get put down for fit for purpose? So we were asked to go and watch some 
vets carry out the test. And it, and it dawned us pretty early on that that approach wouldn't work because if you watch someone, they do the, put their best foot forward, you know, they get it right. And if, if you want to check for rule breaking and you just have someone looking over your shoulder, well, surprise, surprise, you're not going to break the rules that time, you're going to get it right. So what we decided to do was to hold some risk workshops. And we actually borrowed a methodology from Shell on rule breaking to try and give us some structure. And uh, it's, it's a nice example of how risk management can be used to solve a problem because we looked at all the risks that, that, for failure that are associated with the test. There's a number of steps to the procedure and we looked at each each step in turn. And ultimately, you know, we made a conclusion. I mean, it's on the, it's on the if you ever Google either DMV bovine test review, you'll come up with a refiner report. And it's, it's just an example of using risk management to answer a problem, because without that work, you wouldn't have really been able to answer the question, is, is the test of a purpose? You know, be, you get higher level statements or a few anecdotal stories, but this is a sort of detailed work that gave it some weight. And the story went away at that point. And uh, the part was that, that, you know, we could we could help answer some of those questions. It's uh, really interesting. And uh, and then how do you go from your work in BT, British Telecoms, to then working in Pay UK, completely different industry? Uh, you make, Why did you make that transition? And, uh, and and how did you find it working in the finance sector? I mean, I've always liked doing things which were quite new. So I'm quite attracted to actually the different. Um, and I've been at BT about 10 years, so probably overdue for a change. Um, went to work with some people who I you know, really, really liked. Um, found found the sector quite quite interesting. It's obviously a whole new way of doing things in, in uh, the financial sector. So uh, we, I think the financial sector works a little harder than the other sectors, I think it's fair to say. Um, but I was quite interested to... You know, to just to, to apply what I knew in another sector, because I used to know about critical national infrastructure. The company I worked for ran critical national infrastructure. So um, there's a lot of crossover. Um, yeah, very, very, very uh, busy time. I was there for uh, almost two years. Yeah. And, and did you, is it something you'd go back into the finance finance industry? Have you got some learns from, from the finance industry? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, it's, financial sectors do take risk management to a different level they do have a massive rigor over everything when i was at bt um you know risk management was very much lean and liberating bt was more concerned with making uh not innovating quick enough as much as not making errors so uh very much designed to move fast but when you're looking after people's money unsurprisingly you know there's, there's massive controls over that you can't lose one pound anywhere so um Quite different. I, I think my, my, my next job is going to be in the corporate sector. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And and so explain to me, so you were head of risk at Pay UK? That's um, right. What, what, did, yes. what, what did that role mean? And like, who, who were your stakeholders? Were you interacting with a lot of different of the UK banks and the challenger banks? Uh, what was your role there and what did you have yeah. to do? So I work for Pay.UK, which runs the the payment systems, backs, based payments, based payments, faster payment systems. Um, and risk management is obviously inherent to that, and that we need the systems to be robust and resilient. You know, we have to manage the risks not only within Pay.UK but the payment systems. So uh, the risk team, which I headed up, you know, worked with the with the rest of the business to to really make sure that we understood the risks 
to the systems and and manage them well uh, and obviously the regulator the bank of england stayed very close to it but uh, you know you imagine if you moved some money to someone you kind of expect it to work and you need it to work everywhere and always uh, and the risk management's largely set up to deliver that so it's, it's interesting i mean even when i first heard about it you just send a payment to someone you don't think anything of it right and there's this whole infrastructure teams who are sort of monitoring the the whole process um but for the consumers it's just so easy right yeah and that's the measure of success i mean yeah you want to talk about train company you only do when it goes wrong it's the same with with payments as well interesting and and and, and your, your new role is it going to be uh, is it going to be completely different or are you still you're still focusing on risk yeah it'd be risk and compliance i mean i although i move around different sectors um risk is sort of the core to what i do um that's what, what i've developed so uh, you'll still be in risk another head of risk and compliance role probably uh, well congratulations as well i think uh from from your story what i really liked was so you your last role was in finance but you didn't start in finance and i think it's just to open up the eyes of some of the listeners uh, you don't have to be wetted to a certain industry you've got some really uh, great skills that are transferable which you can move into a, a firm which is a completely different industry yes whether it's energy finance something else if you've got risk management under your belt you know that's a core skill for all these sectors and why not move around experience what it's like to work in different sectors yeah i'm sure you've uh, you learned a lot from working in different industries and i'm sure it's grown you as a person but yes i have i've mean, done big projects in mining oil and gas uh public sector um quite a wide range of different sectors people often think as i said before that you know one sector is unique and mm. no other sectors like it but the more you work in different sectors the more you realize that they're all facing pretty similar problems yes the technology is different and the terms are different you do have to have the curiosity to understand it but i think more people should move around than they do some people spend you know their entire career working in one sector going deeper and deeper into it and uh, yeah but the funny thing is sectors move on as well so you know, when i first joined bt people who'd worked at bt all their lives didn't really benefit from the knowledge they gained in the first 10 years because the technology was totally different absolutely absolutely the world is changing right completely yes. but i yeah. suppose risk is at the heart of any business and and every single business is going to need someone who can manage manage the risk for their for their company so i'm sure ai is not coming for your job right richard not yet not yet <laughs> yeah i mean even if you're not in risk everyone needs to understand about it and if you've got it as a skill as an expertise it can help you be even better what you do whatever it is and it doesn't take many days to get the basics um once you can do that and add add it to what you're doing um I'm surprised more people don't 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 get involved you don't have to spend years learning about it it's it's uh, but the place to learn about it is often if you do want to do it as a career i think it's the consulting firms and uh, it's hard to learn risk management from a book if you want to learn about risk management learn make sure you learn it from the best because uh, you know there's a lot of bad practice out there and you can easily learn if you're still learning you don't know what the bad practice is you know the big four a lot of the other really big consultings or uh you know someone who's been in the industry for a long time you can work from some something like that that's the way to to do it i think 
Yeah. So like, so, I mean, you, I think you've answered my question. I was going to ask you um, if there was someone that was looking to get into the risk industry as a whole, what advice would you give them? But I think you, have you answered that or is there anything else you'd like to add? I think it's trying to get the best of all bits. Um, some people start by doing a three year degree in risk. I personally would, would, would probably start working in a, in a risk field at the sharp end. You learn a lot from the sharp end. Um, if you have something that doesn't work, it, it clearly, it, it, you know, you won't have much success with it. And then you'll change and change tack. And it's those practices that are tried and tested, the ones you really want to learn about, not the theory from a textbook. If you look at a firm, I went to DMV, you know, if you work in a top firm, you can supplement that with tra- learning outside as well. That's a really good way of doing it. But um anyone who doesn't want to do it as a career you know just there are a few courses you can go to two-day training courses um but probably easiest to think is just to work with someone in the firm who who knows how to do it ask yeah. for their help see how they do it doesn't cost you anything if you just reach out to someone in the, in the company you work for and, and most of the time so where where you've recruited individuals yourself have you got to have those um core risk uh, qualifications in order to do the role what's your viewpoint on that the most important thing is sharp end experience uh curiosity to do it uh you need a bit of bravery at times because you are challenging senior managers probing with them about you know some quite difficult topics sometimes um, you want someone who can engage with people. You know, it's not a theoretical subject. It is a very practical one. So you need, you do need people who are able to engage with topics and, and people. Um, yes, if they've got qualifications, great. And if they're going to take a senior role, you, you probably want that. But it's not essential by any means. So uh, just looking for, you know, looking for good people to recruit rather than necessarily a, a qualification. It's really interesting because um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it previously when I was uh, hunting for jobs. But if I saw a certain qualification I didn't have, it may have put me off. So it's interesting to hear someone of your seniority. It's not everything. Um, for some roles, it may be useful, right? But uh, it's not absolutely everything. Yeah. So when I used to recruit for consulting firms, we didn't really apply roles. We just looked for good people. If I could mm-hmm. find five good people, I recruit five people. It's not like I had five roles to fill. And if I had wanted to recruit five and only could find two, I'd only recruit two. So yeah. it's very much people-led rather than role-led. Um, but, yeah, um, there's, a, there's a war for talent out there. And, um, you know, if you, if you find someone who's good, you grab them with both hands. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, right, so I've got, I've got a couple of uh, questions here for yourself. So um, what advice would you give a younger Richard? I would probably say to myself, reinforce the, the, the message that know what you want and go and get it. In that, you know, people have 40 years in a career and if, if it's something that first seems a little bit slow, don't worry about it, you will get there. You may take longer than other people or whatever, but know what you, what you really want to go for and, and, and just be lasered on it. If you don't know what you're going for, as most don't, it's about trying to take good opportunities as you come along. And I started deciding I want to do environmental work. And then I saw something else that I thought would really suit me. So great take opportunities as you go through the career. So 
um, yeah, but 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 don't worry about the progress. Sometimes in my career, I was there thinking, well, maybe I need to to, to move a job, to move things a bit faster. Looking back on it, a lot of the time, I think it was very good to 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 do as as I was. You know, I, I was consultant for you know, six seven years. You know, I, I learned every year I was in that. I learned a huge amount. So glad that I I did it at the pace I I, I did it. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. But, but I would say find the good people, and, and you know, if you're in your first five years of career, find the good people and stay close to them and learn from them, because you know that that's the knowledge you'll take for the rest of your career. Um, and while you're young, you can have you can you can go around the different experts and work closely with them. Um, so find somewhere where these good people are, and 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 stick close to them and, and learn and soak it all up. And and then in your experience. If you could pick one individual from your network who inspired you, um, who would that individual be, and and why would why would you why would you just pick them? I mean, when I was at DMV, I could mention quite a few people there, but there was a guy called Mark Bolt who got me into risk management. And he had a desk a bit away from mine and was very happy to involve me in his projects. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have got into risk management at all. So for that, I'm, I'm ever grateful and, and I very much learned from the best. You know, he was a brilliant facilitator. So, uh, you know, but there, there are many others at DMV, too, that I, I work closely with. But I'll, I'll pick Mark because he, um, you know, he got me into risk management, really. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to Mark. OK, so look, that, that, that brings us to the end of or end of the podcast. I'd like to thank you, Richard. Uh, and, and lastly, uh, if, if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you and learn a little bit about, about risk, uh, what's the best way of them contacting you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, so reach out there. Um, send me your phone number, let me know, have a, have a chat, have a coffee. I'm very happy to help anyone. Thank you, Richard. I really appreciate your time and uh, we'll speak soon. Okay, thanks, Jack. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>